It's your Wednesday bonus edition of Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand coming to you late, late after the Twins lose 3-2 to to Houston. Game 4 of the American League Division Series. Series over. Season over. Ends in a big pile of strikeouts and not enough hits. Once again, similar story to Game 3, but this game was much tighter. That was a blowout 9-1. to This game 3-2. to I was there, I was roaming the crowd, kind of figuring out the energy, taking it all in, was ready to you know, talk to jubilant Twins fans, sending this back to a Game 5 in Houston. Uh, Pablo Lopez would have taken the hill against Justin Verlander instead. We will never know because all they mustered were those three hits. Home run by Royce Lewis in the first inning. Home run by Edward Julian in the middle innings. That was it. That was the story of the game for the offense yet again. Kind of underscores where this team needs to go this offseason. I'll get into that in a little bit. And with Lavelle Enil third after that. But just right off the bat, the the one thing that I'll note, I, I, I you know, I grabbed some audio while I was out there. I was, you know, wanted to record just how loud people were, how into it people were. These were the two moments that I found were, you know, among the loudest. Here is the first one. That was after the Julian home run in the sixth inning, cut the score to 3-2, gave fans a little bit of hope, a little bit of optimism, say, hey, you know, they, they might be able to, to get this done. Maybe there is a little bit of life left in this offense. Twins did not get a single hit after that moment. Now, moment number two. Let's play it right now. That was Byron Buxton coming to the plate as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning. A last-minute addition to the roster for Game 4. An injury substitute for Alex Kirilov, whose shoulder problem flared up. Buxton pinch hits for Michael A. Taylor. Comes into the game. Hasn't played in more than two months in the majors. Um, You're thinking, well, this is kind of a desperation move. They're still down one at the time, but maybe he's got some magic left in that bat. Everybody's cheering, going crazy, and he pops out to first base. And after that, the last four hitters, one more that inning, the last three in the ninth, all of them strike out, including Max Kepler looking to end the game and end the series. That's what it was like to be at Target Field on Wednesday. It was all of this energy, all of this wanting from the crowd, a crowd of 40,000 plus that was into it, that was hanging on every single pitch, every single moment. There weren't a lot of those moments on Wednesday because there were not a lot of guys on base, not a lot of opportunities, but the game was close. It was probably the most tense, close game, certainly of this series. 
um, and it was you know it was reflective in the energy, but there was not much to cheer about all around, and that was that was a shame because I feel like fans were ready for it. They were ready to celebrate this team even more than they've already celebrated them. And you know, after the fact, I saw a lot of dejected people obviously leaving the stadium, realizing how quickly it came to an end. The opportunity they had with these games three and four at home at Target Field, win at least one, you've got a shot in Houston, win both of them. You're going on to the ALCS and you get to be the home team. You're playing Texas with a chance to go to the World Series. Instead, their offseason begins now, an offseason where the priority have to be this. One, they need at least one more serious veteran hitter in the middle of that lineup. I don't know exactly who that is. I don't know exactly how they go out and get it, but that was exposed in these playoffs because because I, I trusted three, maybe three and a half hitters as the series went on. I trusted Royce Lewis, absolutely. A guy I was not... No moment was too big for him. I trusted Carlos Correa, absolutely. Guy who's gotten it done before and had a huge postseason. I trusted Eduard Julian. He had a very good debut postseason. He was in every at-bat, hitting balls hard, even when he wasn't getting on base, drawing walks, hitting extra base hits. He was very much the the performer that you wanted him to be. And sometimes... Jorge Polanco. That was it. I didn't trust anybody else in that lineup. The bottom half of that lineup was abysmal. They struck out five times in a row in the second and third inning as they got to the bottom of the order. Totally sucked the life out of target field. They need at least one more, if not two, one or two more serious professional guys who can hit it out of the park in the middle of that lineup. Maybe they try to do that with Joey Gallo this year. That's a nice try. That's not. Uh, that's not a successful. That's not. A, that's not a real effort. Let's let's talk about a real effort. Somebody that you either trade for or you sign in the middle of that order, not just for the regular season, but for the postseason. And number two, you need a Sunny Gray equivalent, or you need Sunny Gray to re-sign. I don't know how likely that is. I don't know how likely it is to get Sunny Gray. But a Sonny Gray equivalent, you got to have that one-two at the top of the rotation as much as I like Bailey Ober, as much as I like Joe Ryan, who did fine tonight, as much as I like the potential of Chris Paddock in that rotation. I don't think you have a clear number two right now. You need to go get that if you are serious in 2024. Those are the roster-building things that were exposed against the very best, which is the Astros, seven straight American League Championship Series, some of them very much while cheating, uh, but uh, and that was very evident in the in the calls and, and, and the yells from fans in the, in, in the, at Target Field uh, tonight as well. But that is the gold standard. That's the team you have to beat. They are not ready to beat them yet, but with some of those ingredients, maybe they will be able to get over that hump in future seasons. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Lavelle O'Neal III, Star Tribune columnist, joins me right now. Lavelle, we've done a bunch of these uh, post-game special edition podcasts. This will be the last one of those because it's over. The Twins lose in four to Houston. Um, three to two is your final on Wednesday night. And, you know, there's there's always stories within the story, but Lavelle, they only got three hits in each of the last two games, only got three runs total. 
couldn't right. really seem to score except for if they hit it over the fence for a lot of this season and a lot of this series. It just kind of it kind of comes down to that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um unfortunately they kind of resemble the team in the first half of the season when they really that were offensively challenged. Um not the team that scored a seven hundred and what was it? Scored uh they averaged uh, six point two five runs in the month of September going into the postseason. That was a good sign. But uh I mean, even in the series uh against the Blue Jays, which they swept, I think they only hit like two thirty or something like that. Uh in, in those two games. So it wasn't like they were a juggernaut at the plate at all. Um, and just the disappointing thing is that it came against a couple of pitchers um, in, uh, in Christian Javier and Jose Ucrity, who they should have hit. Ucrity demon, he was injured part of the season, but like the last 10 games, he had like a 5 3 ERA and like six of those outings as a reliever. He was like in and out of rotation. And now they t- they send him out there in game four, and he twirls that one up against the Twins. That's that's baffling to me. So um, it looked like whatever was working for them during the second half of the season, the different approach to hitters' meetings, everybody taking ownership, exchanging information, figuring out ways to adjust on the fly. It seemed like there was none of that uh, in these last two games uh, that they uh, that they lost. And I point this out in my column too. You know, uh, in this two two one format. Um, when the series is tied one one after two, the team that's hosting games three and four usually win that series like sixty seven percent of the time. Yeah, you know there was a there was a, a way for them to get to the ALCS and the Texas Rangers, which would have been a cool series. Um, but um, they fell just short, man. So um, it's uh, I'm sure they're going to be wondering why they couldn't sustain offense, but. Uh, as they go into the off season and we'll find out more in coming, coming days of where they're headed with all this. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Some of September was, they played a week schedule. I mean, some of it was, they figured stuff out in the last two, two and a half months of the year. And that was, we shouldn't take that away from them, but the teams they were facing by and large in September were not the blue Jays and Astros caliber. And this was, this was better pitching. This was better competition. And they didn't seem like they were quite, up for it. And I feel like that, and you're right, that the pitchers that they got them, that was the part, it was the bottom half of the, the Astros rotation. Those guys should have been hittable. They, they fared much better against Valdez in game two than they did against, you know, less accomplished guys. And I feel like the game really turned in like that second, third, and fourth inning. I think it was probably the end of the second, early third, where five straight guys at the bottom of the order started with Correa, but five straight guys at the bottom of the order all struck out against a guy who doesn't strike out a lot of guys. They just didn't seem like they were competitive in those at-bats. And right around that same time, Thielbar gave up that two-run home run to Abreu. And it just felt like any momentum they had from that Lewis home run was wiped out within the first three innings. Yeah, you know, um, uh, yeah. And Rocco Baldelli said that it seemed like uh, your Quiddy stuff was playing up a notch. That was better than what they remember, better than what they was the scouts had saw. Um, looked like he had good, good control, good command, and guys chased a little bit. But um, I'm used to seeing the Twins make make adjustments like that, you know. And there's there's Jose Urquidy's on every you know, most teams in baseball that the Twins have hit during the year. Yeah, it's just amazing that this happens uh, in October where it matters the most. So, um, so yeah, the bats just went there. Uh, I mean. Like I said, one at bat with a runner in a scoring position, you know, and there was frustration 
Uh, I saw Correa like beat up the dugout when he got back after lining out to Jeremy Pena. You know, there was some of that going on. So uh, I'm sure they're going to leave this series thinking that we didn't give them our best game. And that's what's going to probably bug them throughout the offseason. Yeah, I mean, because that you know, if they could have won this series, they'd have had home field in yeah. the ALCS because Texas was the wild card winner. But Texas is awfully hot right now. But that was, you know, it's an opportunity. And again, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. The other piece of this game was how they managed the pitching staff. And I don't think we can quibble a ton with it. They lift Joe Ryan after two innings. He'd given up the one run on the home run to Brantley. Um, looked like his stuff was okay. He was going to have probably a typical Joe Ryan game, but this wasn't the kind of game where you could afford to really mess around and even go through a second time of the order. If you felt like you had better pitchers out there. And I guess the only, the only second guess was field bar, but that was the inning to use him if you were going to, because he had three of the four lefties lined up. The problem was you were going to have to pitch to Abreu. And then when, when Valdez, who just tormented them all series, when he got, the leadoff hit, it meant there was going to be someone on base for Abreu. They did not pitch Abreu well these last two games. They left too many too many hittable pitches, too many soft pitches in hittable areas, and he he made Thielbar pay for for throwing a fastball to him. Yeah, the other thing, too, about that lefty-lefty thing was that um, uh, both Framer Valdez and – no, I'm sorry, uh, Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker actually have – decent numbers against left-handed pitchers for being lefty hitters. Yeah. And so um, I don't know. It was like pick your poison with picking a lefty or righty to pitch to those guys in those situations. I thought that Waco could have let Ryan begin the second inning and then pull him at the first time of trouble, just go batter to batter. I think I thought he did enough, you know, uh, in, oh, in the third inning I'm in. Yeah. Third, third inning, yeah, yeah. I think he did enough in the second inning. He did enough in the second inning to me to warrant sending him out for the third. Um, then – I think Brock Stewart threw a scoreless inning on 12 pitches. I was like, yep. you know what? He could have pitched the second inning. Yeah. You know, uh, but that's nitpicking because if you look at it, at one point, I believe the bullpen retired 13 consecutive batters. Uh, Chris Paddock was excellent in the yep. middle. Uh, that bodes for, well for the future if, if they're going to put him back in the rotation because they got to replace, you know, Sonny Gray, who's going to go shopping for yeah. uh, a, new, a new team. Uh, but um, as it turned out, I mean, because I usually call it re- reliever roulette because you're just firing out relievers there until one of them goes haywire and your plan just goes to crap, you know? That that didn't necessarily happen today. And no. so that's 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 not yeah, – I can't complain about how how it turned out because, uh, you know, Rocco basically held him to what? Two runs over uh, – Bullpen, two six, runs over seven innings. Yeah. I mean, that's seven you, can't, innings. you yeah. can't argue with two runs and seven innings. That, that They did – they did their job. Joe Ryan did his job, whatever it was asked of of him. It was it was it came down to the hitting. I mean, and I think the disappointing part is not just that you get two runs, but that you get three hits. You don't get you only get one more hit. You get the Julian home run that was your only hit after the first inning. You, you, like you said, you get one at bat with a runner in scoring position, and that was the second at bat of the game. Like there just weren't really any threats in this game. It was a weird game in that there just weren't a whole lot of base runners around much. It was mostly was, you know, everything was done. All the damage was done with with home runs in this game. And there weren't a lot of like jams that pitchers were having to work out of. There wasn't a lot of pressure on those Astros pitchers. No, there weren't. There weren't. Um didn't get runners on base, so they didn't have to, you know, maybe maybe uh your quitty melts down a little bit once he gets company on the bases. It never happened for him to figure that out. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, Christian Javier had 
company on the bases throughout the game and yeah. was able to make pitches to get out of jam. So it was just yeah, it was just a weird, weird two games uh here at the Target Field. And unfortunately, um the fans were fantastic. I thought this is a, one of their best performances in the postseason that I've covered. You know, they've come a long way from when uh people would complain of someone standing up in front of them cheering and blocking right. their their line, their, their view. Uh they come a long way from just like bullying when the other team's fans start cheering instead of you know, just uh, cheering over them, which is the best way to come back. You know, um, it was a lot of energy in that building. And my God, the Twins bats damn near sucked it all out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then there was a great jolt when um, Buxton came out of the yeah. dugout to, uh, to, to make his pinch hitting appearance. Um, but, you know, he showed rust there. He got a fastball that he, he, has, he has pounded to left field in the past, but he was late on it and popped out the third. So, um, the first, they fired the yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cause I keep thinking about my scorecard and I wrote three, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So it's a pop to first. Um, so Rocco, uh, fired the Buxton bullet and they couldn't even get him to turn things around. Yeah. I was, I spent the whole game kind of roaming the, the stands, the stadium watching from different vantage points, trying to see, you know, see what the, the temperature was there. And it was, you know, in the standing room areas, it was three people deep in all the spots. Everybody was like hanging on every pitch. It was not your kind of casual, you know, June, July crowd. People were into it. They were looking for reasons to get excited. I mean, in the two, the two biggest ones, obviously, or the three biggest ones, obviously, was, you know, the Lewis home run in the first, but then the Julian home run. And then when Buxton came up, people were kind of wondering if there was some magic there. And, you know, yeah. you, you wanted it to be the case if you were a Twins fan, but he was... You know, I, I don't think that was, you know, I don't necessarily think that was a second guess move because Michael A. Taylor had done nothing in that series. And I don't know if Walner does anything for you in that spot because he's been having a hard time. So I see why you give him a shot, but he really hasn't played. You know, he hasn't taken a major league at bad in like two months, right? Yeah, August 1st, I think was his last game. You know, he was playing at St. Paul, but he even pointed out, well, I can't face some someone with like Sonny Gray sinker. Or uh, or Pablo Lopez's changeup at Triple A, you know. Right. So it's not the same. He was he was even saying so. Um, yeah. So uh, you saw rust bits fly off his body when he swung at that pitch. I also do see though fans, you know, leaving the stadium, but maybe even more on social media later, like trying to reconcile, like, hey, you know, this season was probably more than a lot of people could have anticipated, and they hey they they broke the postseason streak. They won a series. The Astro series was competitive, if disappointing in some regards. Um, so I, I think they take a good number of positives out of it. I guess the question is, where do they go from here? Is this the start of something, or is this kind of a a one-off year where everything kind of came together in a sort of weird way in a bad division? I don't know. I mean, Pablo Lopez in his late twenties, he signed for four years, you know, to anchor that rotation. Dur- Duran can close games out. He's young. You saw the young guys come up. I think there's a foundation here that's still being built, which means there's still upside with this team. So it was very encouraging to see guys like Walner and and, um, and uh, Julian and especially Royce Lewis come up and have the impact they did, um, despite, you know, the age, ex- the, the years of experience that they don't have. So um, they got some questions. I mean, Will Kepler be uh, brought back next year? Yeah. Will Franco's option be picked up? Um, they can still contribute. Uh, although I wanted Kepler booted in June, but he turned around in the second half. So I just, I think there's stuff to work with here. Um, if you can, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do 
to replace Gray if Gray's determined to go shopping for the best deal out there. Um, or they could just go in house where they try to bring their veteran guy who can, you know, uh, have an impact. I think I, I would like to see them go that route. Um, first base, I think, has become a question. Do you want Kirloff to be your long term first baseman? Uh, or do you want to, you know, get someone who's, um, who's, who has experience playing there, who's a better defensive player and is more of a prototypical, typical first baseman and that he can mash a little bit? I know, uh, you know, Everybody's wondering about Paul Goldschmidt being available from the Cardinals. He would look interesting in uh, Twins colors next year. Uh, would they look towards something like that? I don't know, but you know. But with Julian Lewis, Walner, um, you know, Farmer's still solid guy. Willie Castro was a fine. Jeffers is coming into his prime years. Um, Duran, Ober, uh uh, Jacks. Ryan Correa. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got a lot of Ryan, pieces. I agree, yeah. They've got pieces here, so um, they there's a path where they could be relevant for the next few years in the division. Yeah, I think the two biggest things are you got to have Sonny Gray or a Sonny Gray level replacement. You know, the one-two at the top of the rotation was such a such a big deal in this postseason. I know Gray didn't pitch well in the ALDS, but that was what got them to the finish line. That's what got them to win that series. I mean, they got, you know, two starters who went basically 11, about 11 innings combined and gave up one run in that wild card series. And the other thing is you got to have one or two more serious veteran bats. I got tweeted the other day, like, I wish the 2024 Twins could sign 2019 Nelson Cruz. Like, someone like that. Maybe that's Goldschmidt. I don't know who it is, but somebody like that who just gives you that guy right in the middle of the order that you know he's just gonna he can just flat out hit. I don't feel like they have that veteran presence right now. Maybe Correa in the postseason is that, but he wasn't that during the regular season. Who can that guy be? Maybe one or two of those guys because I feel like the lineup is short of that consistently, and especially once you get to the playoffs. Well, yeah, I think that you know after the rice trade, Rocco didn't really have a leadoff hitter, and he didn't have like a a, a prototypical number three hitter either. And I think people are masquerading those spots in Correa and Buxton. They both got to horrible starts. Um, as the season, well, the Dodgers have got swept. Uh, yeah, as did. the season went along. Poor, poor Lance um, Lynn, by the way. I know. Uh, as the season went along and um, the guys started coming up from the minors and, and Lewis got healthy, he was able to put together like a consistent lineup. But it included Royce Lewis batting third or fourth. And who, who I don't know if he's that's his his desired spot here. So um, there's going to be some interesting roster management, um, roster construction during the off season in terms to, of getting that offense to go to the next level. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's, there's a foundation there. I agree. I just, I think it felt like a charmed year to a certain degree, even as frustrating as it was, the pitching came together in a way that I don't know if they can exactly replicate a lot of these role players they hit on. There's some off season work to do some questions to address, but I do feel like this is a team that, given the right trajectory, can not just get back to the playoffs, but can add the right pieces to to maybe even make a little bit more noise in in years to come. Yeah, I think that's very possible, and I and it should be a, a, a actually an entertaining offseason in that regard to see because now you know potential free agents are going to look at Minnesota as a possible destination place. Now they come off a good year; they got a cornerstone guy in Korea. They got a frontline starter in Pablo Lopez. They got a legitimate closer in Duran. Um, there's things that will be attractive to people looking 
to uh, find a winning situation. Just got to figure out what to do with Buxton. I don't know what to do about that. Well, he talked today that he's going to, he has to, he didn't want to talk much to the trainers about his health, but um, he's got, he said he's going to check in with them over the next week or so. And they're going to plot in an off season for him. Um, he did not rule out. He did not rule out uh, another surgery, but he said he'd have to talk to the trainers first and see what they're recommending. Well, We'll see. We'll see about that. We'll see about a lot of things. One thing I do know is season's over. It was a lot of fun. It was great talking to you, Lavelle, for these post-game podcasts. Go get some rest. I'll do the same. Everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll do this again uh, another time. Sounds good.